everybody. Welcome to my living room and thanks for listening. I'm here today with one of my favorite people in the whole entire world and sometimes I say that um, about other people on the podcast and I really truly mean it. I use the word favorite a lot and I know that so I'm just gonna just be totally honest like I say my favorite food depending on who I'm eating with and where we're eating. My favorite food may be pizza. My favorite food may be sushi if I'm having sushi for lunch. Um, all I'm trying to say is I give out the word favorite a lot, but that does not lessen what I am attaching it to. This is literally one of my favorite people on the whole entire planet, and I may cry. I'm going to try not to, but she's one of my super, super mom heroes, um, has seen me at the lowest of lows. I think I threw up on your couch one time oh. when I slept in your living room. Maybe. Maybe I did. Maybe I threw up into a trash can close to your couch. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she's seen me at the lowest of lows and um, has been such a great friend as I have navigated um, all kinds of things like having young children, going through a divorce, being a single mom, having a shithole boyfriend, um, breaking up, starting a business leaving the business ups and downs and ups and downs and she has just always been solid as a rock and then watching her like knock the shit out of motherhood has been just such a joy to have a front row seat to watch that so um without further ado here is my sweet sweet friend kira whitaker and um we're just going to dive right in. So thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Um, well, I want to start. This is a question that I ask everybody. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about growing up in your household as a child and just what your family dynamic was like. Um, I grew up in Winchester, Tennessee. I grew up in kind of a really small town. My mom and dad both worked together. My dad was a small business owner back where we lived, and my mom was his bookkeeper, secretary. Um, we lived on a farm, so we lived on probably 20, 30 acres. I went to a private Catholic school from pre-K and I think through junior high. Did you wear a uniform that looked like Britney Spears' outfit in the Oh Baby Baby music video? Well, hers was... Solidified. Totally. Yeah. And so I was like a child. Yeah. So, but so was no. it like but similar? Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. the knee socks, the checkered skirts. We had jumpers. Uh-huh. Ooh. You know? And then yeah. I think there was a really, really contemporary rule that happened. Probably like fourth or fifth grade where girls could wear shorts and pants. Ooh. Total game changer. Scandalous. Total game changer. <laughs> We now refer to them as Bermuda shorts. You know, they had to be oh, like uh -huh. really long <laughs> yeah, and totally. maybe kind of baggy. Oh, just total diaper butt. Awful. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> went to a Catholic school because I was raised Catholic and then transitioned into public schools. And I grew up horseback riding. I was on a three-day eventing team. So that's where you jump. I was going to ask you what that word was, so I'm yeah. glad that you said that. I was going to clarify. I a am a know. southern girl, but I never did the horses, and yeah. I know a lot of people, especially in this area, do, yeah. but thank you for clarifying, because we have listeners all over the freaking country. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, I, 
identify, I think, the horse scene, if that's a thing, in Middle Tennessee is walking horses. Because right, people yeah. all the time will be like, oh, you ride walking horses. I'm like, no, I've never ridden walking horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, horseback riding. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, just my parents um, actually separated five years ago but are still really close. So, I, my parents were together my entire childhood. And then I moved to... Uh, Murfreesboro for college. I've got an older brother and a younger sister. And yeah. So you're in college for nursing. Yes. And then you become a nurse. I did. Yeah. How long did you nurse? Um, did I nurse my kids or worse? <laughs> How long? That's a great. Thank you for clarifying. How long were you in the nursing profession? Okay. A nursing professional. Yeah. Okay. So right out of high school, I got a job at a um, not a skilled nursing facility, but an assisted living home. Um, and so I worked there in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Murfreesboro. For college, I did a nursing assistant certification by the old hospital in Murfreesboro. So I was a nurse's aide for four years in college. And then I graduated in 09, sat for boards, became a nurse, and worked as a a floor nurse, so doing medication, just working the floor. And then I got a position as a nurse manager, as a wound care nurse, and then went back and did another training in Nashville for that. So as a licensed nurse, I guess two, three years before I opened the studio, but I started working as a nurse's aide and in hospitals when I was 17. And you met your husband when you were a nurse, correct? No, I actually met Boone. Boone is my husband. Um, I met Boone my last semester of nursing school. Okay, so, so you were still in nursing school. Yeah, I was so still a college student. For our listeners' sake, I'm just going to bring this full circle. Kira's husband, Boone, I knew oh, way before I knew <laughs> Kira. Um, Kira's husband, Boone, was one of my brother's best friends in high school. And they were such great buds. Like, I remember sometimes I would come home from school and Boone would be like asleep on our couch taking a nap and no one else in my family would be home but Boone would be there so um and we took family vacations Boone came along on family vacations um so I knew Boone growing up and then um when I moved to Atlanta for school and all that jazz um all of a sudden I found out that Boone had a girlfriend, and somehow we connected via fitness, fitness. Yeah, which is how I've connected with a lot of people in my life, but you were teaching the type of bar that I was teaching at the time, wow. and I was like, well, she's, you know... It seems like we should be friends. Yeah, it seems like we should know each other. We got a lot in common, so um, we met. I took your bar class, and I was super kind of a little bit nervous to meet you at first, um, and then I met you, and I was like, okay... I have a super crush on this girl because she's number one, really hot. So when you, if you are just listening, at least look at the Facebook picture or the Instagram picture because she's just really hot. So ridiculous. Um, But then also I was like, and she's like really smart, really driven, 
and kind of a, a little bit thug, like yeah. a little like yeah, a like little salty percentage. Yeah, and still listens to gangster rap when I get ready. Right. So I was that was in post Malone when I pulled in your dress. Thank you. So that's <laughs> like my heart, like connected to you, just in that way even before I met and you. And we were young moms in our 20s when we were young moms. Weren't not everybody was having kids in their early 20s right. back in the day. Yeah. And so um anyway, became fast friends. Um you and Boone were already married, I think when I met you. Yeah, we had I mean, our me and Boone's early years moved a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think yeah, we were married yeah. and Ori was but you too when we opened the studio when I opened the studio. Okay. Yeah. So we have your oldest Ori and my oldest are close in age. Yeah, Ori will be 9. Yep. Tiago's 10. Yeah. So I remember being like, "Oh man, we have little boys that are close mm-hmm. in age." Um, and then, so let's rewind a little bit. Meet you at the fitness studio. At the time you were working with another lady. Yes. And then you went out on your own or you already had your own established. So how it worked was, um, when the first bar studio came to Murfreesboro and it was Suzanne Bowen's method bar amp. Yep. So the girl, Jen Ashcraft, she still owns a bar studio in Murfreesboro. She was starting her bar studio and she had trained here in Franklin. And she had heard, we had somehow kind of connected through seeking out places to rent. And I was starting to, I'd already been teaching yoga in local gyms, but wanted to start my own business And so we had connected and thought, okay, we're both moms of really young kids and we don't have a lot of funding and no investors and how are we going to do this? What if we just shared space? Yeah. She was ready to go. I mean, she she had already been teaching and renting, subleasing another space. So her business was already intact and off the ground. Mine was still on paper and not actually, it hadn't been brought to life just yet. Um, And so... She didn't have any teachers at the time for bar, and she said, well, would you be open to getting certified in Franklin and teaching bar? And I totally needed more teaching experience, honestly, just being in front of people and also learning the behind the scenes of mind-body and just how everything works. It was a great teaching experience for me, and so essentially what I did, because I wasn't working as a nurse anymore, I'd already decided to stay home and help my husband with his business, so... I took all the money that I would make from these 5 a.m. boot camps Mm -hmm. and, you know, the hustle, just teaching all the classes that nobody else wants to teach. Right, yeah. And I would put it away, and then that would pay for the insurance on my business, the LLC fees. And so after about – it was a really short time. It was a summer of teaching bar. I think I started beginning of the summer and then by August I started my studio. So I sublet from her um, and basically used her studio anytime it wasn't in use for my yoga classes. And so she was the head lease on the building and then I was under her. And then the blessing was she really quickly outgrew her the space. She needed more time slots. I needed way more time slots. So I stayed in the same complex or in the same area, got my own building. Yeah. 
and she stayed in that one. And then I think two weeks after we signed the lease on our big building, I found out we were pregnant with Willow. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. I remember taking classes at both of those locations yeah. and then also the one after it. Um, I also remember like when Willow was born, I remember when you were pregnant with Willow and coming to take classes. Um, one thing I want to ask you is, so what made you, because we kind of glossed over it, what made you transition from nursing to yeah. yoga and making a full-time decision to step into yeah. yoga? I think that there were, I think there's a lot of layers in that onion to peel back, but I'll try to do the short version. I all, My mom is the most amazing nurturer and just caretaker ever. Growing up, um, my grandfather had early onset dementia and Alzheimer's. And so he, that's how we ended up in Winchester from Nashville when I was probably four, was to take care of him after my grandmother passed away. And my mom is the most selfless human being ever and just readily cares for everyone and never complains about it. And I think I just grew up seeing the person, the woman that I looked up to the most aside my mom and my horseback riding trainer were the two most influential women ever to me. And so I think my mom kind of instilled in us that just as a human being and especially a, a woman, there's a part of us that are all nurturers and caretakers, but she also did it so gracefully and it never appeared to be worn down. And I think I just knew it a very, I remember probably 14, 15, just knowing I was going to be a nurse. There was never any other, maybe be a horse trainer, but I knew there wasn't a lot of money in that. Yeah. And, um, and then with all my injuries, I knew that wasn't going to last long. And so I knew when I was probably 15 that I wanted to be a nurse and my high school had our senior year, you could do an intern program at the hospital. So I did that and then just naturally did every step after that to become a nurse and I truly loved nursing and I'm still a nurse. Mm -hmm. I still have a license and I, and I think that you don't have to, to be a nurse. There's so many different ways you can be a nurse. There's hospice nurses, there's nurses in the OR, there's mm -hmm. nurses that do home health, there's school nurses. So nurses can wear so many different hats in the community. So I still think of myself as a nurse, even though I don't, you know, formally practice as a nurse, but I think for us, there's always been a part of me that's a little bit more natural and hippie and granola. And I, when a wound wouldn't heal, I wanted to go, okay, well, what do we do nutritionally? Because I saw them eating mashed potatoes and jello for like a week. And right. I know that's not going to help. Yep. And a lot of protocol is, is, you know, it is what it is. And I worked with awesome providers and nurses and doctors. So not saying anything bad about it, but I think I just wanted to be part of more of a holistic practice. Yep. I think I was a certain piece of the pie. Yeah. And I just wanted to have a bigger relationship with people. And then a lot of the things that I would do were a, maybe a wound after somebody had already lost a foot to type 2 diabetes. I'm just going to get real with y'all. So if you're squeamish, I'm not going to get gory. <laughs> and I would think over time, I really wish that we had done, you know, we could have gotten to this person more preventatively yep. and talked about nutrition and lifestyle habits and stress levels and what that looks like. And 
how yoga tied in with that was I broke my back when I was 14 in a horseback riding accident. I was in a starting box at a show and the horse reared up and fell on me and just crushed my spine. So I've always struggled with chronic pain. And then when I was a nurse doing 12, 16 hour shifts, my body was just a wreck all the time. And then having, when I was pregnant with Ori, um, my back pain got even worse. So I got back into yoga. I had done it right after my accident in high school when there were no studios, just DVDs that mm-hmm. my trainer had given me. And I think back then it was like Pilates and yoga. Right. Know? It was yeah. just, yeah. you know, kind of this movement system. And, um, and so I got back into yoga really just because it was a way I could move that didn't hurt. I can't run. There's just a lot of higher impact things I can't do. Um, and then because of certain body image struggles that I've had my whole life, I also had to be really careful with caloric intake and burning calories and stuff like that. So yoga just kind of fell back into my lap and I just honestly re-fell in love with it. And at the same time, all this is happening. I'm working as a nurse, I'm full-time and on call because I was a nurse manager. So I would have the on-call phone, I think once a month or every other week for 63 hours straight on the weekends. Ooh. And we were about two blocks from the hospital, the old hospital where we live. But Ori was one. Yeah. My husband owns his own business. And so I, we had always wanted me to be with the kids. Yeah. That was kind of always our plan was he was going to, he was going to be gone more than I was. Right. Yeah. And it was the opposite. Yeah. And we had a housekeeper. We were uh, picking up food all the time, just feeling really unorganized. And so we sat down with our accountant who we still have always mm-hmm. have a good accountant. We love her. And we broke down the numbers and kind of with some of the outgoing expenses with the nanny that we had for yeah. worry. And then meal prepping and meal deliveries and housekeepers and somebody helping with the laundry because some days I would be gone 16 hours. We did the numbers and I was like, hey, like really we have insurance, but the profit that we're bringing in for you working isn't really what we thought it was and you're tired. And so we decided for me to stay home. I'm kind of a workhorse. I've worked three (laughs) jobs and put myself through college and So that was a really foreign thing for me was to step away from clocking in. Yeah. But I knew it was what our family needed. And about that same time, Ori was still in Mother's Day out two days a week. So I started doing yoga um, at some gyms in town. And somebody asked me to teach. She was like, hey, you've got good form. Can you teach? I was like, I think you need to have a certification or something. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you're a nurse. You've, you know, had anatomy right. and physiology. You probably know more about the body than every other well, yoga teacher. But, but in all fairness, I will say, I did not know kinesiology and movement. You know, I wasn't an exercise yeah. science major. I wasn't a physical therapist. I worked in a physical therapy unit as a nurse, but you know, there were, there were a lot of holes to be filled, but it was also one of those where she was like, Oh, you could probably keep somebody's airway open here. Can you cover for me? I'll be my right, yeah. boyfriend. Yeah. And so I got really sweet feedback and I loved it and I loved moving with people and, and I loved yoga and yoga was such a, such an important part of my life and watching my dad be a small business owner. And then also my husband being a small business owner, there was a part of me when I was a nurse that 
resented him for being able to block off the schedule and golf and eat with friends because there right. were days where I would just grab a pack of crackers off the diabetic cart, shove them in my mouth and go do an assessment. Right. And so I think I just had all these, these people in my life also that were business owners and I wanted that, that freedom and that say coming from a corporate situation. And, um, so all of that, just the timeline kind of fell together and it was a really quick turnover. I remember being like, Hey, I'm pretty sure like four weeks ago, we said you were going to be a stay at home mom. And now (laughs) you have a business plan. You've completely Right, exactly. Right, he's like, you're doing a 12 week business school online, you know, all this. And I just remember telling him because we, at the time, we weren't, we were, we were financially afloat, but we weren't, you know, 10 years into our marriage like we are now. I was young. I'm six years younger than my husband, so I still had student loans that needed to be paid off and stuff. And I just remember telling him my intentions are so pure. This is not for me to be seen. This is because I really think that I can help somebody. And this is this is a service that I want to be offered in our community that's not. And yep. so who better than us to do it? And that was almost eight years ago. That's yeah. bananas. I know. That was the longest version of that ever. But I, I did feel like there were a lot of things that had to come together. It wasn't like a... Yeah. I stopped working as a nurse and then... Right. It was you know, a loaded question. It was, uh, it was but I was <laughs> sorry that was so long. No. But yeah, so that's kind of how... It was It was a lot of different things going on at one time. And then I think God was just really... He was really faithful to me and steering my ship where it needed to go. Yeah. And it was so scary. Um, so scary. So scary. And, and nursing is such a noble profession. And so... I mean, it is. It is the most selfless thing you can do. It's noble. And in the context that we're talking about mm -hmm. it, I would say maybe it's stable. It's Mm -hmm. more stable than going out on your own. two business owners. And I was 24 when this was going on. And so, so many people, when I was like, yeah, I'm going to start a yoga business we're like, um, you've worked for this. And I'd worked for this company all through college. They paid for the two years of nursing school. Yeah. Um, signed a contract the day I graduated, I had a job. And so, so many people kind of bopped like, um, why on paper, you've got a great, right. Why are you going to leave that nurse? Everybody wants to be a nurse and you've got a family. Yeah. Insurance, your husband's self-employed. What are you all going to do about benefits? And yeah, I just, I felt so sure about it I just really did so I want to pause right there and I want to come back to yoga in a minute because um I have a couple of other questions that I want to ask about you're the boss here you just you (laughs) do the talking and I won't answer pod boss (laughs) um so one thing that you mentioned that I want to spend just a little few more seconds on is you mentioned body image issues and I want to touch on that Um, for you personally, you can talk about as much as you want to, but us both having been in the fitness industry, um, I know that's a big issue. And then having worked with just loads and loads of women, Mm -hmm. moms and not moms, um, but other women with body issues as well. So this is just kind of a piece of what we're going to be talking about with body dysmorphia on this podcast. I have, um, a few other interviews lined up. Um, to dive into this really deep as well. But I want to pause there and take Mm -hmm. this moment to talk about it with you too. 
Um, and maybe just as much as you feel comfortable telling yeah. us of your body image issues and then kind of what you've seen as an industry professional who works with women who maybe have similar or maybe even more or less extreme body image issues as well. Yeah. So what's the question? The question is, that's a, that's a great question. Okay. Um, the question is, um, when, when did you have body image issues and how did that manifest in your life? I think I honestly, because I, I talk about this in, in a share group that I'm in for body image and other stuff. And I don't remember ever having a for sure date, you know, or, or specific trauma that happened that I remember triggered it. I think that there's multiple things about my personality, meaning I'm a people pleaser by nature. I really, I think part of that comes from me being a, a healer and a nurturer and a helper, but mm -hmm. I, have always, um, I've always been a people pleaser and I didn't really have those words to identify that part of me until the last few years. I think that one of the main things I can remember, and I think it was a lot of things that, that built up and, and made body image issues and eating disorder issues. But when I went from the private school that I went to growing up, was so, so tiny, and you, we wore uniforms, and even in, you know, as you're 12 and 13 and puberty starts, the rules were just different, meaning we all wore the same thing. It was mm -hmm. maybe six kids in your class, and yeah. So I begged and begged my parents to go to a public school because the horseback riding team I was on was in Murfreesboro and all the girls and they were my best friends that I rode with were just honestly the coolest girls to me because they wore stuff I hadn't seen. There was no fashion. Nobody right. wore the same thing. And I also grew up in Winchester. There was a JC Penney's and a Kastner Knotts in the town <laughs> right. over. Yeah. You know, I was in horseback riding clothes or uniforms yeah. growing up. And so my parents finally let me go to a public school. And it was like throwing some, it was like throwing a rabbit to a pack of wolves, meaning I didn't know the social rules. Right. And I remember going into seventh grade, I had one friend who came with me from um, the private school and we were best friends all through college. And I remember walking into the gym the first day of seventh grade and, you know, wearing jeans for the first time, which was Whoa. so wild. I'd waited for that day, Abby. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I remember all of these guys stopping and yelling and pointing at me about my butt. Like, oh, she's got, you know, if you've seen my son, like, he, <laughs> like we have this bubble butt. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. It yeah. is what it is. Um, but that was the first time I'd ever, ever had anyone acknowledge my body I'd never I'd never even looked at other girls bodies like she's skinny she's thicker she's taller right, yeah she's Hispanic she's, like culture shock I mean it about was your body. so wild yeah I was so so sheltered and I didn't know that I was until then and so I 
you know, there were the hot girls, there were the cheerleaders, there, there was just all of these different dynamics. And so I think I quickly realized that your looks matter way more than I ever, ever, ever thought. Right. Yeah. Um, my mom is naturally thin, has a good metabolism, but I remember my mom talking about her weight frequently. And I can say this cause my mom and I've had this talk. I yeah. love my mom. She's one of my best friends, but I've been open with her about some of these triggers. And now that I have a daughter yep. and she's their grandmother, we, I've had to have this talk with her and my mom was always, it was a very fluid thing in our home to be dieting. Yeah. So, and I grew up, you grew up in in the era of fat-free everything. Oh, so yeah. the word fat was sinful. Right. Everything was fat-free. Everything was diet. Yes. Absolutely. Everything you put in your mouth. And yeah. so this word fat just seemed so terrible. Yeah. My it, mom used it every time I ate a banana, tell me. Um, that's literally the worst thing you could be eating right oh, now. Are we off potassium? Yeah. We're not she, doing that anymore. <laughs> it was, um, she used to tell me cause I'd grab a banana. I think I went through a phase where I was eating like three a day and yeah. now I know the carb content yeah. of the banana. Right. But at the time I was like, it's a fruit. Well, back lady. then we didn't know the glycemic index was lower than an avocado. Oh, we were 12. Right. Who knew? Yes. So well, in my mom, was always doing the slim fast thing. Mm. So like the missing meal things. Mm -hmm. And, and so I also saw her constantly talking about her weight, you know, and it was like, you know, I need to lose five pounds, but it was, it was a frequent conversation. Yeah. And so I think I just picked up those things. And then after I broke my back, I, I missed, I don't know how much school, at least a month of school. Cause I couldn't sit up. Yeah. And I lost a little bit of weight just because I wasn't well. And I remember my horseback riding teacher, as soon as I got back on my horse, as soon as I could sit up, I was back riding again. And she commented on my weight, which keep in mind, I'm like 14, I mean right. 15. So it's not like I lost 50 pounds. Sure. I mean, I've been the same size since I was 12, yeah. you know? And she commented on my weight and kind of gave me this accolade. She was like, you've slimmed down a little bit. You look great. Oh, wow. And my horseback riding teacher, still keep in contact with her at the time. She was in her late 20s from England. Just this boss horsewoman. Yeah. And she was my idol. Yeah. And her saying that to me, I totally glowed up. Yeah. And so I think going to a public school and men, boys, let's call it whatever, <laughs> let's call it whatever, boys commenting on my weight and just realizing that, that girls and boys talk about how people look and, yeah. and then kind of hearing that frequent language from my mom and then my horseback riding teacher making that comment. I think all those things I started to go, Hey, part of my self-worth is my weight. Yeah. So I might not be as likable, attractive or lovable if my weight isn't within this range. Right. And I'm also such a high feeler. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I have good boundaries and I can be firm, but I am sensitive because I love people so hard and I truly want people to be happy with me. Yeah. And so I think that people pleasing part of me too was like, Oh, people like they like the skinny girl. Right. Yeah. And so it was just, I yeah. think that time in my life where I just was vulnerable because every girl at 13 around puberty and, and boys starting to like you super vulnerable. And I think that, 
also my personality type um, grabbed a hold of it and yeah. just went wild. Let me ask this, um, and this is coming from... I hope I answered your question. You did. <laughs> this is coming from my personal experience, so this may not have been reality for you. Probably was, though. <laughs> <laughs> when you looked in the mirror, yeah. what did you see? Oh, somebody who was not reality. Oh, 100% body dysmorphia. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And for our listeners who don't know, body dysmorphia really is, that is the definition of it, is looking in the mirror and the reflection that your brain is telling you that you see actually is not um, representative of what your body actually looks Mm -hmm. like. Um, And honestly, I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but because this is something that we're going to hit hard over the, you know, coming months, um, just as a part of a series, I want to just tell just a tiny bit of my story and then go back to Kira's. But my story is I was in the fitness industry and, um, teaching fitness classes and, um, at one point was asked to be on a DVD, um, called, um, burst fit with was that Josh, Axis? Dr. Josh, Axis. yeah. So I was asked to be on that, and on set, um, I was going to wear a sports bra and shorts. And I remember almost thinking, like, absolutely not will I ever wear a sports bra and shorts because of how unfit I am. For all the listeners, I'd like to hijack this podcast for a minute. If you (laughs) scroll back about three pictures on the Instagram page for this podcast... You will see that timeline, and you will see how lean. You're probably 4% body fat. Yeah. So just to give you, you yeah. know. And it, it's really, I mean, yeah. honestly, that's that's true. Your reality, though, was not that, though. So that is not what you saw or felt. There's a building in Nashville where we filmed the DVD. It's called the Marathon Motorworks Building. And um, this lady who does, like, hair and makeup for freaking grammy winning musicians Mm -hmm. in nashville people we don't know it's fine oh yeah yeah uh did my (laughs) hair and makeup for this dvd i looked beautiful Mm -hmm. i like was more done up than i've ever been um and i remember after she did me up and then i was supposed to go to this restroom and put on this sports bra and shorts and i walked to the restroom i put on the outfit and I almost locked myself in there oh, and it didn't come cry. out. I hate that. So I did cry. I looked Mm-mm. in the mirror and I cried because what I saw in the mirror was someone, number one, who wasn't fit to be on a fitness DVD. Right. Like, who what? am I to be out here? Who with am these I people? to be on a fitness DVD? I literally saw. I, I think at the time I was probably a size two and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you what this, what body dysmorphia is. I think I saw like a size 16 or 20 in the mirror looking back at me. And I just remember thinking like something inside of me wasn't connecting the dots between what I was seeing and what was happening. And, um, I think people of all sizes are beautiful. 100%. But what I'm telling you is that I, my brain wasn't actually computing what was in front of me. Right. And I could see everyone else for exactly who they were and what they were, but myself, I couldn't. Yeah. And, um, 
So I almost locked myself. I mean, I remember like holding back tears and I think I had to t kind of like fix the makeup yeah, that they were like, put I'm going to lose these false lashes. Yeah. I really thought like, oh no, these I'm going to carry Underwood's lashes right. at one time. Yeah. I was thinking like, I, she just spent like an hour and a half right. putting this shit on my face yeah. and I'm going to cry it yeah. off and be anyway. Yeah. Even more of a failure. Yeah. Such a failure <laughs> is what I thought. And now I look back at those pictures and I'm like, Damn, if I could have those abs again or those legs. Uh, yeah. Because I know, because now I can see the reality of where I was then. But does a part of you look, I know a part of you is like, dang, those abs. Because dang, those abs. Again, go back to the picture. And, and you worked hard for them. Yeah. However, does a part of you, I does a part of you look at those abs and are you able now to go, I was not well. I have to yes. associate those abs with overly working out. Yes. We were about to get a divorce back then. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, y'all were, I don't we think were, that it was we, public yet, but it was it, true. Right. 1000%. So do, is there a part of you that is able now to identify that weight with, yeah, on paper, it looks really good, but I was not well. Yes. And thank you for asking that because, um, that That's why we're soul sisters because of questions like this. Soul sisters. <laughs> that body and I, okay, so I'm gonna make a joke here and I'm telling you up front that it's a joke because this is not a light subject. But um so I still teach a few fitness classes a week and people will ask me like oh man, how do I get abs or how do I get in the best shape of my life? And I jokingly hashtag this is a joke say Go through a divorce right. or break up with your boyfriend. Why? Because I mean, yeah. trauma right. brings this emotional and physical and mental state yeah. where you're kind of in survival mode. And um, this was around the time that I had gone through a miscarriage and then throw on top of trauma it. Trauma after trauma after trauma. Yeah. So I had been in a season of trauma and what I did to survive the trauma was I would hit the gym morning, noon, and night. And I went to a gym where I didn't know a soul. I like literally left a gym where I knew humans, yeah. went to a gym where I didn't know any other humans. Yeah. And I would work out until I would nearly pass out. Yeah. I would hit the floor, I would cry, I would sob yeah. out all of my emotions. And then I'd leave and then I'd go do, like I was in school, so I'd go to my classes or whatever. And then I had two kids. Yeah, I had two kids. And then I would go back to the gym. Yeah. You know, so that was like. Would you say that you're, and your verbiage might be different. I think everybody has different verbiage, but they can have the same intention to make the same point. But do you think that your workout regimen and your fitness regimen was an addiction? I don't, I don't think it was an addiction. I think it was um, survival because I could have gone without it. But I think it was like literally if I don't do this right now, I may be doing something that's more harmful to myself. Right. And so I think it was like my pick way. Your poison. Yeah, yeah, it was pick my poison. It was my way of surviving because it was a way of my mind to kind of shut some of those things down. Yeah. Not healthy. This is not right. healthy. Right. I'm not recommending this to anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say though, that the result and the reward to me at the time, at the time and the mindset you were in and the mindset that I was in, the reward was comments and compliments. Yeah. 
and I, at the time... Comment on this out here because the inside's falling apart. The inside was falling apart, and I know that there are people out there who were waiting for me to say this, who've been Judgy McJudgerson, yeah. Like, yeah. like, sitting behind their computers, like, waiting for me to say that that's what it was. So yeah. here it is. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? But that's reality. And so coming full circle coming right. back around there's to the, gonna be a lot of coming full circles yeah all the full <laughs> circles we're basically gonna do figure eights the whole time so many circles <laughs> like um coming back to the fact that both being in the fitness industry yeah. we've worked with a lot of women yeah so there have been times where i have been with clients mm -hmm. and we're like doing a workout we're mm -hmm. like in the warm-up, we're doing some air squats. We're doing some jumping some jacks. We're getting their heart rate up, and we're getting their yeah. blood flowing. And then all of a sudden, they look at me, and I can see through their eyeballs. I can see in their eyeballs the that what they need today is not a workout. Yeah. And there have been times where in a gym full of 100 people – me and one client would sit on a yoga mat in the middle of the floor and they would cry and I would cry and we yeah. would just talk because that's what they needed in that moment yeah. was to go, you know what, maybe this workout isn't exactly what you need. Yeah. And sometimes it, it does become therapy, but I think a lot of it is connected to body dysmorphia, body yeah. image issues. Do you still see stuff like that? So... To kind of give the listeners a framework of what my day and what my my business looks like is, I'm a certified yoga therapist through the International Board of Yoga Therapists. Which, <laughs> let's be clear, so, how many of those are there around here? There's, I am the one and only in Murfreesboro. There's, there's yeah. a few in Nashville. Um, it's about a three to four year program, and it's a master's program in a lot of colleges out west now a lot of medical providers will do it although you don't have to be a medical provider so I, I use the comparison of like you've got a personal trainer and then you've got a physical therapist both are so great and so, both of them have a really important role but the level of knowledge is different yes my level of knowledge is just different so I only do private sessions I don't do any groups anymore you used to I used, for a long time. You I did only group did classes. group classes. The yeah. dynamic of my business starting out was just group yoga yeah. all day. And now every you transitioned. Day. Yeah, because yeah. I was doing both. I had my private client load and then I had group classes and it got to the point where I just had to pick because I couldn't I couldn't manage both and I picked private sessions, which is my heart and passion. So most people that I see in the studio currently are people that maybe want to do yoga but they've had a shattered shoulder and down dogs just not for them and they're going to go to a yoga class and when the teacher just might not know the anatomy of a shoulder and injuries or their medication list or just a lot of in-depth things about that person enough to keep them safe which isn't isn't bad that person doesn't need me in a group setting you know right so i'm i am one-on-one -on -one with people much like you you do personal training so i always tell people i get most of my clients meet twice a week for one hour. So I get people for two hours a week with no phone yeah. in a room with no mirrors, no clock on the wall. And we're talking about their pain. Y yoga, especially yoga therapy is, 
is supposed to be your emotional wellness, your stress levels, your physical body, your sleep patterns. It's this holistic practice. So I always ask people, how are you sleeping? You know, what are your stress levels like? Has there been any traumatic event that happened? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. If anything ever goes beyond my realm of what's appropriate for my scope, I refer out as, as well as to chiropractors or physicians or Chinese medicine. But I'm doing life with these people and there's clients that'll come in and like, Hey, how's your shoulder? And they're like, it's not good because this, this, and this, and it doesn't directly relate to a shoulder, but they feel like their marriage is in the toilet or they've got Mm -hmm. a child who is struggling. Yes. And I think that I always tell people to claim that victory because as somebody who lived in their brain or body, but never together. It was either, you know, I was working out, you know, this was before yoga and kind of beating my body into submission. I was like, working out's bad, but my mind frame wasn't right. It was this many calories went in, this many calories need to go out to be skinny, right. which equals to being loved. Right. Or I was so overly obsessed with things in my head. My brain and body were very rarely living in the same place at the same time. Yeah. They were always separate. And so when people in the studio are moving or with you and doing air squats and they start to cry, I'm like, I'm so happy for you that you're able to move your body successfully and safely, but you're also in tune with where your spirit and where your emotions are. That's what everybody needs. Yes. This divide of like, I'm just going to go like hulk it out in the gym. Like, like you were saying you did like almost like work my body into submission because we're not on the same team. Right. Is the worst thing that we can do, especially for women. And so I try to always steer the ship in a way that's productive. My scope is yoga therapy. So let's say you came to me and you're like, I am so stressed out with work. I've got four kids at home. My husband is busy and I just feel really, really stressed. And you're like, but I really want to work my glutes and let's, you know, I really want to firm this up. I might say, Hey, I hear you, but what I'm seeing you need is your body doesn't need more work because you're tired. And so doing squats, I don't really think is a great choice, but what if we did some yoga postures that are going to support your adrenals, give you some resting poses and some deep breath work, and then move your body with that so that when you leave here, you don't feel more drained. I think that's what you need. What you want is really off the table. Yeah. And so I always, try to there's times where somebody will just sit on the back and I'm like it's been 25 minutes and we haven't even done like a cat cow yet <laughs> you know and so I'll, I'll I'll try to kind of be like okay well I'm so glad that you told me how you're feeling all of that's so relevant like does your back feel sticky at all let's go ahead and start moving yeah and breathing and then see how you feel yeah and so uh, you know yeah I try to find a good balance but I always try to acknowledge how people feel because I think way, I think that me and my husband talk about it a lot because we have a son and a daughter and I will say that men are so wired to be in their bodies, be strong, be masculine and women are objectified so much in their bodies. So we're just so in our brain 
And I really, because I have a lot of male clients, I have I have probably forty percent male clients at the mm-hmm. studio, sixty percent female. So I have a lot of male clients too, and they're ready to go in there, and they're like, okay, all right, so yeah. I've got a golf tournament next week. <laughs> I need my mid back to do this, and I'm like, whoa, 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 like we're you know like let let's get you in your brain first, then we'll get the body and brain together. Yeah. And so I think just empowering people that you know, what your body's feeling is what it's feeling and your body knows what it needs and wants and not Instagram, not the other mom in the car line, maybe not even your spouse, your body and brain when they link up can be the best physician you'll ever have. Yes. A million. Yeah. So just empowering clients to, but also making sure it stays in a productive direction. Yeah. I have two kind of things before we wrap up. Um, One is, so you mentioned when you grew up, your mother kind of was always dieting and just would say things that in your later life kind of triggered you or were Mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle. Right. And now having a daughter, I wonder what you've done intentionally to um, give her a firm foundation. And yeah. Well, I think because our son is our old, so Ori is about to be nine. Willow just turned six. So when, when I had Ori, I just, I was still working as a nurse, but I was also just on fire for health and wellness, mm-hmm. you know, almost to the extreme. You know how I was like, I was yeah. always juicing. And you we were, were the same way though. You were crunching yeah. it up. I was the crunchiest of all crunch. Yeah. And so I was so extreme and unrealistic. And so with Ori, Ori has this insatiable appetite, which is so great because I'm such a good eater. Yeah, I have one of those too. Yeah, Chiago. Yes. And we talked about this. And so, but the wounded part of me who, who still, if I don't catch it, that will identify like love and weight, not that I would never love him, but the, the fear of being his mother and just wanting him to always feel so loved and accepted. Um, there's been times where I'm like, you know, oh, oh gosh, are you overeating? Oh my goodness. And then I have to, I have to make sure that I speak about body image and food and healthiness and emotions. And are we eating because we're hungry or because we're tired or maybe right. you're thirsty and let's, let's see what our brain's telling us that I don't isolate it to only my daughter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because it is less frequent for, for males to have you know, diagnosable sure. eating disorders, but they body do. dysmorphia though. I mean, men yeah. have it as well. Absolutely. Probably more equal to women. We just don't know yet. Cause a they don't, thousand, talk, right. right. My husband says the exact yeah. same things when he looks in the mirror. As yeah. I do. Oh yeah. So I, I think it has a different, I think it has a different tone around it, but I think it's very, very equal. And so I've tried to just really, really with both of my kids empower them like hey I know that you know my organic whatever sucks in comparison to the Doritos you got at school but when you go to college and you're 18 and you don't feel good and you're kicking I just want you to have the tool set to make good choices for yourself because when you're not healthy it costs you money it can affect your relationships it can affect you at the workplace this is going to help you thrive and they think it's ridiculous pertaining to only willow um, I, Willow sees me move and walk on the floor. I don't really work. 
I don't really work out a ton. I get, I always tell everybody my own yoga practice. I get the shapes of yoga all day because yep. I teach 25 private sessions in four days sometimes. I need the other things of yoga. I need to sit still and be fine without my phone. Right. I need to be able to clear my brain and take 10 deep breaths and only focus on the breath. And so I try to teach both of my kids mindfulness. If they're wound up, I always say your emotions are real and they matter in this world, but the world doesn't stop because you have a feeling. Let's talk about it. Yes. Yes. You know, like, so all you are so important and, and, and God made you to be who you are. But there's more people, you know. Right. So with Willow, Willow is wired like boom, which is so bonkers. So <laughs> those of you who don't know my husband, um, Abby, you do. Um, Willow is just, she's kind of type A, which he's not. I think she gets that from me, but she's fearless. Mm-hmm. She could make you mad and hurt your feelings, and honestly, it's fine. Like, her day is not going to stop. Ori, our son, is totally me. High feeler, nurturer, very emotional when he's hungry and tired. Yes, yes, yes. All the feelings. And so, I think maybe God's grace was the girl, she's just wired a little differently. Ori's a huge trigger for me because we are so similar. But I just always try to... In my, in my older years, you know, because we're so old, my upkeep is minimal. I mean, you know me. Like, I tie my hair back and wash every four days. I don't even own a blow dryer. I, um, I wash my hair, like, once yeah. to twice Yeah, a week. but, like, I don't ever fix it. And so, and so I think with her, she sees this kind of low-maintenance. I think she sees less prep time at my vanity and she sees most of my prep time in the kitchen. Yeah. And with my animals and yeah. with them. And Actions be yeah. louder than So my that. hope is that she, you know, a lot of these things, we're not going to know what we did wrong until it comes up in therapy with our kids in 20 years. Right. But another great thing is my husband is, he loves our kids so well. Yeah, he does. And there's not one day that he comes home from work and when Willow runs up to him, he doesn't drop his knee and say, how are you, beautiful girl? But also, in our house, we've always been sure to, any accolade we'll give to Ori, we'll give to Willow. Mm-hmm. She's just as fast. You yep. can be strong. So, Willow's not pretty, and Ori gets the masculine right. yeah. compliments. Yeah. You know, she. if you tell Willow, if you go, you are so beautiful, she'll go, I'm fierce. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you are. And so, I think we've tried to always be really mindful of our language and not use this praising tone only when it has to do with her looks. Yeah. But we still tell her she's pretty. You know, yeah. she deserves to feel that way. But that's not the only accolade she gets because their looks are going to change. My kids are going to get acne. Their weight's going to fluctuate. <laughs> right. They're going to go through that weird phase. And if she feels like we only yeah. are praising through, and him too, these words of affirmation that are based on their looks – that's going to change, which means it's circumstantial and it's yeah. not solid and it's, yeah. and it's going to fail them. So Absolutely. basically we've tried to take all the ways that we're screwed up as adults and <laughs> not completely Girl, do it with our yes. kids. You are so, every time I talk to you, I'm always like, oh, my little thug is so smart and no, intelligent and not. you're on a different Plain. No, just, I am not. Uh, We're all just doing the best we can. I love it. We're just doing the best we can as moms. Well, I think I'm really just attracted to you as a human because mm-hmm. of that and because I feel like you're um, on an elevated 
area of just understanding and acceptance and knowledge and just kind of truth and reality. And I really appreciate that. One thing I wanted to say, I'm not going to let you comment on it because I don't want you to. But one thing that I'm just going to say to all of our listeners is that when I was going through a really low and kind of a dark time, um, I just became kind of selfish and kind of shut some people out of my life and wasn't really there for people. And um, there was just a time where I wasn't reaching out in the way that I should have to people. And Kira was one of those people. And I um, was able to reconnect with her a little over a year ago and just really, um, she just picked up like I had never done that. And I was just really appreciative because I went through a really kind of hard time of depression and um, I didn't even know how to be around people and it was just a really hard time. But anyway, all of that to say, Kira was still there for me whenever I got my head above water yes. and I'm really thankful and grateful and appreciative. Um, I do wanna ask you before we close out here, um, I feel like we could talk for like eight hours yeah, and totally. um, you know, like make an eight part series on, mm -hmm. on things that we could share, but is there anything just kind of wrapping up that you would want to share um, with a moms of the world out oh there? God, um, just kind of what is your heart? What is your like one thing that you're really champion championing championing? Are you saying champies like the restaurant? Like, restaurant you know, like, I'm a, I'm a champion, champion. of, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, but I'm not going to say it in this. <laughs> I, there's yeah. probably another word. I don't know. But I think you're doing fine. I okay, so. thanks. Um, I think when you have, because we both had our kids in our early 20s, and um, I think being in our, it's Just popped them right out. Sure did, back to back. And But I think in our, now that we're in our early 30s, I just, in my early 20s, I used to, because I was in a place of self-comparison all the time, I would compare myself to a lot of moms, but also I wasn't as, in my head, as, as my, my head voice wasn't as kind and supportive as it probably should have been, but now that I have school-aged kids and a lot, and most all of my friends are, not all of them, I have a lot of friends that aren't moms, which is so fine, but I mean, I think truly moms are all doing the best they can. And I think that where I'm at is I appreciate all the moms that have these gifts. Like, I'm not the in-room mom at school. I don't have the patience for it. But mm -hmm. praise his name that there is somebody who yes. loves that and wants to build crafts with my kids all day. And I think I'm just in a season of just gratitude for all the moms that have poured into me all the moms that pour into my kids, all the moms that have poured into my husband. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? And the grandmothers. Yeah. And I think I just, I truly have this, this place of just full and wholehearted gratitude, but also this kind of mindset of, I see you, like I see your struggle and I know what you're going through and I may not have been there, but I'm not above not being there at some point. And we're all in this together. Girl. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that, I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> I have like 700 other questions, but maybe another time we we'll can do, do a that. part two and then a part seven. A part, good. That's just 
Perfect. But we'll skip the numbers. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making the journey oh, from Murfreesboro to Berlin yes. to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, and thanks for everybody who listened. Uh, peace out. Bye. Bye. Bye.